Your LSU Tigers are headed to Omaha for the 19th time in program history. But it's not just about getting there. It's about how you can stay alive in Omaha. You are Locked On LSU, your daily podcast on the LSU Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, thank you for making Locked on LSU your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And do not forget that you can also find us on YouTube as well. Just search Locked on LSU in your search bar and hit that subscribe button and you will not miss a single second of your Locked on LSU content. My name is Caroline Fenton and I am your host as I am every single day. You can find me on Twitter at Caroline Fenton one. And of course you can always follow along and interact with the podcast at locked on LSU. And today's edition of locked on LSU is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sports book of locked on make every moment more visit FanDuel.com slash locked on today to get started. What a freaking Weekend, the LSU Tigers are headed back to Omaha for the first time since 2017 when they competed in the World Series in the College World Series final against Florida. We know how that went. Florida won it all. It was incredibly disappointing. And the last six years have just been so much promise and hope that fell short of the biggest stage in college baseball. But with LSU this year, with all of the hype. Preseason number one team in the country maintained that status throughout over half of the season. Number one transfer portal class in the country. Number one recruiting class in the country. You've got the number one and number two consensus overall players in this upcoming MLB draft. You got some of the top names in the transfer portal this year. Tommy White being one of them. Paul Skeens being one of them. You have Dylan Cruz coming back to consistently claim his crown as one of the best LSU Tigers to ever play the game, to ever put on an LSU baseball uniform. And with that team under Jay Johnson in just his second year, and he's gotten LSU to Omaha, back where they belong. This is a program known for excellence. This is a program that is known to always be competing for championships. And now LSU is has the opportunity to do that for the first time in six years. The work's not done. I mean, the most important work is still ahead of us. You got five more games that you're going to have to win at minimum in order for us to really talk about this team achieving what we all thought it was possible. But for right now, I'm going to soak up all of the good stuff I'm going to enjoy watching the dog pile at the end of the game and he- and hearing all of the people who thought LSU wasn't going to be able to do it. I'm going to be I'm just going to take, you know, our victory laps and I'm going to enjoy it. But this is how we did it. This is how LSU was able to sweep Kentucky, win the Super Regional and punch their ticket to Omaha in two games. So let's start with Saturday night. I'll go Saturday night, Sunday night and we'll get into a little bit more detail about what the keys to this series were. And I want to also want to get into okay, what comes next. Now that we're celebrating what LSU did over the weekend, 
now that we're enjoying a super regional, now that I feel like we all kind of have breathed a little bit of a sigh of relief that LSU has gotten to Omaha, that they at least pushed past this really difficult and competitive group of regionals and super regionals and there's SEC tournament, so on and so forth. I feel like we all feel a little bit of a sense of relief, but it's going to pile on back here pretty soon because the most important stuff is all in front of us. But how did it happen? Saturday night. I mean, it, it, the the environment at the box, I wasn't able to be there, but man, oh man, did I have FOMO. The environment at the box was electric. Almost 12,500 people at Alec Box Stadium on Saturday night. I believe that was a record. And I mean, looking at videos of the student section going absolutely insane. You're watching the game, watching the, the people behind home plate who are sitting behind home plate, the fans. They were all just so into it. And it was so electric and it was so energetic. And it's wild considering how long of a day that really truly was for LSU baseball fans. I mean, the, the game was originally supposed to start at 2 o'clock. At first pitch ended up being into the wee hours of the night. It was a late game. But everyone was still so energetic. And we talked about this on the podcast going into the Super Regional. Being able to host is such a wonderful privilege. I mean, for so many reasons. Home field advantage, which they need to do a little bit more of. Enough of this visiting team getting home team home field advantage. Like Kentucky batting last on Sunday night, just annoying. But whatever, that's a much bigger baseball and NCAA problem that I'm frankly not really wanting to get into at the moment. But that is part of why it is so important to play these postseason games at home is when you get crowds like that. The electricity of the LSU fan base, it was palpable even watching on TV. That is what makes the home field advantage so special and really LSU baseball so special. There are very few programs in the country, if any program in the country, that can match that type of energy and intensity and buy-in and just flat-out, straight-up love for the game and love for the team. So that was really, really cool to see. Saturday night, Paul Skeen's on the mound. That was the right move. Should have pitched him in the first game. They should pitch him in the first game in Omaha. I believe that they will, but that was the right move to pitch Paul Skeens on Saturday night. Don't mess around. Don't get cute. Win game one, you know, and then go out there in game two and try to seal the deal. Don't get cute with it. Paul Skeens on the mound on Saturday night. I mean, he was remarkable as usual. It's, it's, it's as to be, it's to be expected. I mean, Paul Skeens is as advertised every single time he goes out there with, especially with all that uncertainty with a game start, he pitched seven and two thirds innings. He was able to have a little bit of a curtain call at the end of his run on Saturday night, four hits, zero ones, one walk, nine strikeouts. Paul Skeens, ladies and gentlemen, those are numbers that you're seeing from him every single outing. That's what you expect from Paul Skeens, and it's wild because that's what you get every single time. I mean, Paul Skeens was just remarkable. Blake Money came in, closed the deal, sealed the deal. LSU beat Kentucky 14-0, the largest super regional shutout victory in LSU history, taking down Kentucky 14-0. I mean, and that alone tells the story of Saturday night, the, the final score alone. Pitching was spectacular. Hitting was spectacular. Trey Morgan starts it off with a solo home run. He adds a second 
homer of the day in the third inning. Tommy White comes in with a two-run blast in the third just before Trey Morgan notches his second of the game. Tommy White also had another homer in the sixth inning. Hunter Dugas with a solo homer in, in the fourth. Josh Pearson with a homer in the fifth. I mean, it was just an absolute hit parade. And when it wasn't homers, it was guys consistently getting on base. And this is what I thought was so was so telling about the differences between these two games. Kentucky traditionally plays small ball. They bunt a lot. It's just about get your guys on base, consistently get the guys on base, and then eventually you'll wear that pitcher down, and eventually you'll continue to get guys on base and force them home. LSU traditionally plays long ball. It's just dinger after dinger after dinger after dinger. And when you're going against less than elite pitching, then that small ball can work. But I think Saturday night put on full display just how – how much of a disadvantage Kentucky was playing with and playing with that kind of style because LSU is playing with an elite pitcher and LSU plays the long ball better than any other team in the country or up there with some of the best teams in the country. And that was on full display on Saturday night. Sunday was a little bit of a tighter game. The final score of the game, I don't think was indicative of exactly how the game went. 8-3 final score, but it was 5-2, 5-3 for a majority of the game. And it was, it was getting pretty close. You know, Ty Floyd, out there for just over three innings. It wasn't his best stuff. Gave up three solo home runs, but that was the key thing. That was the important thing here for Ty Floyd, that it wasn't, um, you know, walk after walk after single after single after single. He didn't let Kentucky take advantage of that small ball and then bring all those guys home with those homers. I mean, three home runs for a team that I think was last in the SEC in home runs in the season, it's not great, but that's where the – where. LSU's offense comes into play. You give up three solo home runs. All right, well, that offense is good enough that that can overcome a 3 nothing deficit. Um, so Ty Floyd, not his best stuff, but I think he continues to show that, okay, you hit a home run off of me, I'm able to still come back. I'm not going to get completely psyched out. That's a Ty Floyd that I think we've seen evolve and mature over time. Riley Cooper came in um, in relief of Ty Floyd. Gavin Guidry came in to end it. I want to get into more of the pitching side of things coming up next. But I think the story on Sunday was solid pitching and clutch batting. It was a Cade Beloso three-run dinger in the third that really gave LSU some of that cushion to be able to play with a little bit more comfort, a little bit more leeway throughout the majority of the game. And then Dylan Cruz seals the deal on Sunday night with a two-run double. So LSU ultimately ends up taking the game 8-3 to advance to Omaha, baby. But I think that there were two massive storylines that came out of uh, this weekend, of the Super Regional weekend. And I think that those are going to be the keys that propel LSU to a College World Series, College World Series championship even. We'll get into that coming up next. But before we do that, I want to tell you about FanDuel. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to 2000 $500. That is $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. Now, you got to be quick with it because I think the NBA Finals could end tonight. Denver leads the series 3-1. I think it's going to be a gentleman's sweep tonight. So if you're taking my betting advice, you can do that on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Or you can check out the great promotions that they have going on every single day. They've got a bunch of great ones going on for the NBA Finals game tonight. Heat and Nuggets. That's one of my favorite parts about the FanDuel Sportsbook app is 
you can check and see what kind of promotion is going on, whether it's it's an odds boost, whether it's any sort of a, a promo or give back on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. They've got plenty of options for you. There is no better place to bet all the playoff action than America's number one sportsbook. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get a no sweat first bet up to $2,500. That is FanDuel.com slash locked on FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. Well, thanks again for making Locked in LSU your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Every day is coming up tomorrow on the podcast. A little bit of recruiting news that came out in the in the middle of the game on Sunday where I'm thinking, hello, can we just focus on baseball right now? We don't need this news. We will break that down coming up next. What that means for LSU football. Should you be alarmed? We'll get into all of that tomorrow. And, of course, an Omaha preview later on this week. All of that coming up on Locked in LSU. Um, the two biggest stories of the win, how LSU, I b- believe, got the the Super Regional sweep over Kentucky this weekend, and what I think are going to be the biggest keys to propel themselves to a championship. Because let's not forget, it is really freaking hard to get to Omaha. It's even harder to win in Omaha. You're playing against the eight best teams in the country. You're doing it after you've already played, what, close to six months of four games a week. You're gassed. You're tired. You've probably already hit the injury bug. Your bullpen could be dwindling down. I mean, the fatigue starts to set in, but you can't let it. Because right now is when it matters most. And luckily enough, I feel like this team is really finding its stride when it needs to happen most. And that is right now. I think we saw glimpses of it. And glimpses might not even be giving them enough credit. I think we saw it come to fruition in in the regional against Oregon State. I think we really saw it emphasized this past weekend against Kentucky that this team is getting hot and putting all the right pieces together at the perfect time. These are the two things. And you might be thinking to yourself, well, yeah, duh, Caroline, it's baseball. But hear me out here. The two biggest things are hitting and pitching. I mean, like, I, that's that's the best kind of analysis and breakdown that I can give you. And you're probably thinking to yourself, well, doy, what else is there? Defense? Yes. But hear me out here. Hitting over the weekend was electric. It was elite. It was so solid. But we expected that, right? Like, we always expect, not always maybe isn't a really fair thing to say, we expect that from this LSU team. When you just look at the, the firepower that this LSU team has offensively, you can expect that. Even when LSU felt like it was getting a little bit rocky against Auburn, against Mississippi State, the offense didn't go dormant. It was the pitching that was the problem. It got to the point with the pitching where it was just so bad that it it, it hurt this team so much that there was only so much that this offense could have done. You know, if you give up six runs from walks, you're asking your offense to do a whole lot and to pull a whole lot of the load. So we knew that this team was going to be elite offensively because that's what they've been all season long for the most part. But we've really seen it emphasized in the postseason because it's not just coming from Dylan Cruz and it's not just coming from Tommy White and it's not just coming from Trey Morgan. As wonderful as those players are and as much of a a sigh of relief that you might feel 
you know, if the bases are loaded and those guys are up to bat, it's like, oh, baby, we're going to get something from these guys. As incredible of players as those guys are, it wasn't just those guys. It's not just the Dylan Cruises and the Tommy Whites of the lineup that you have to look forward to that you think, okay, those guys are, are certified dingers. Because you see it from the top and bottom of the lineup. It's If it's not Dylan Cruz, it's Hayden Travinsky, it's Trey Morgan, it's Tommy White, it's Hunter Dugas, it's Josh Pearson, it's Jordan Thompson. It can happen from one all the way through nine of your lineup. Your best hitters aren't just concentrated in the three and four hole. You've got guys that can come up with clutch hits and can score runs no matter where they're batting. And we, we have seen that since the regional. I mean, Nick Mignone, the, the Kentucky head baseball coach, even commented on just how stacked this batting lineup is. This was Kentucky head baseball coach Nick Mignone. Yeah, it's a deep lineup. It's really long, right? Like, there's a lot of talk about Dylan Cruz and Tommy White and, you know, many others. But it just, it's long. You know, you just get by them and then you can't take a break. You can't take a, a breath. You know, you don't score, and they average, what, over nine runs a game. I think last weekend they were averaging over 10. You don't do that without really good players in a long lineup. And I think that's what this team needs to do to continue to propel itself to where it wants to go, which is a College World Series final and ultimately a College World Series championship. That it's not just one guy. Because you see Dylan Cruz coming up to bat, you got two men on. Dylan Cruz might get walked. You know, that team might just take their chances walking Dylan Cruz and hoping you can get an out with Tommy White going 1-2 in the batting order. That's, I mean, we saw that. Dylan Cruz got walked, walked, what, like three times on Sunday in that second game against Kentucky? So it's not just those guys. You've got guys that can continue to make plays 1-9 through nine in the order. But that's the thing we knew. We all we already knew how good this offense was. What I was so pleased to see over the weekend, really on Sunday, was how pitching had to win you the game. On Sunday, we saw Ty Floyd, and Ty Floyd had a, a fine outing, not a great outing. Ty Floyd he just pitched just over three innings, gave up seven hits, three runs, walked one batter, five strikeouts. And at least the three runs just came off of, you know, three solo home runs. But Riley Cooper comes in in relief of Ty Floyd. And Riley Cooper was able to get you three innings, zero runs. Gavin Guidry comes in for just over two innings of work. He gives up zero runs. So Riley Cooper and Gavin Guidry combined gave you five and two-thirds innings with zero runs. That's the kind of pitching that you are going to need when you get to Omaha. You can't just have those two guys that you feel really confident about and just hope that those guys who have been kind of uneasy, kind of shaky in the bullpen are able to close it out for you. It's those kind of performances from Riley Cooper, from Gavin Guidry, that always approach the plate like it, there's no – on the mound, rather. Like there's no task too big. Just the the sure-headedness and the, I don't know the right word, but just like cool, calm, and collectedness. That the, Both of those two, Riley Cooper and Gavin Guidry, both approach 
what's in front of them is really impressive. It seems like there's no stage specifically for Gavin Guidry. I mean, my goodness gracious, that kid is not afraid of anything. But really both of those two guys, the moment's not too big for them. And that feels really, really encouraging to hear when you're going into the biggest stage in college baseball, when you're going to have to rely on your pitching to win you some games. That's not something that I felt overly confident about this pitching staff to be able to do. Which is why I ultimately said if pitching is what keeps this team from Omaha, I mean, there needs to be, I mean, somebody's got to pay for something. Somebody's got to explain something. But since I said that, I believe that was either after the Auburn or Mississippi State series. Since I said that, we have seen this, this bullpen look better, look more confident. That Jay Johnson, at least it seems to me, my, and my impression, my interpretation of the situation from the outside looking in is that Jay Johnson feels like he's got a few guys in his arsenal that he feels comfortable in going to, to either not give up a lead or close out a game when need be. Just get outs. That's what Riley Cooper and Gavin Guidry were able to do on Sunday. When the game was getting kind of tight, kind of close, it was 5-2, then it was 5-3. It's getting a little uncomfortable until you got those insurance runs from that Dylan Cruz uh, double uh, in the ninth inning. You needed guys that were just able to get in there, get some outs, get back into the dugout, hopefully score a few more runs. And if you can't, then you got to continue to rely on your pitching staff to do that. Kentucky's defense was <laughs> really freaking solid all weekend long. Like, Did you see that, that Superman-style catch? I forgot who was even up to bat, but whatever it was, Kentucky has a solid defense. You're not going to get gimme runs where you don't earn them. So that's when you have to rely on your pitching to get it done for you. Just get outs. That's what Gavin Guidry and Riley Cooper were able to do on Sunday. Really, really encouraging to see. And then you see a guy like Blake Money closing it out on Saturday. No, he didn't have to do a lot. No, it wasn't a high-pressure situation because it was already a million to nothing. But still, you know, you, you bring him in. He's able to close it out. Doesn't give up a run. Saves the shutout. Gets in. Job over with. On to game on Sunday. That was what was really encouraging for me to see. The biggest change. Hitting, we knew. Pitching. The evolution. And the, the trust that I think we're all starting to gain in this bullpen is really encouraging. And man, oh man, it could not happen at a better time now that LSU is headed to Omaha. So what comes next? The work is not done yet. What comes next for this LSU team now that they are headed to the biggest stage in college baseball? We'll get into that coming up next. Well, hey, thanks again for making Locked in LSU your first listen every single day. And man, oh man, I'm so giddy. I woke up this morning giddy. I went to bed last night giddy because it is just so good and so refreshing and so nice to know that one, LSU is back in Omaha because it's overdue. And I know we sound so like such a spoiled fan base by saying, oh, wow, it's been six years. We're well overdue. But that's just the expectations of this program. And I think so. The part of that just makes me so excited, so encouraged. And I think the second thing is this team has gotten where it needs to go, where we expected it to go. Because I remember thinking at the beginning of the postseason, coming out of the SEC tournament, I thought, man, if this team gets beat in their own regional, what a freaking disappointment. What a disappointment after all of that, all the preseason hype, all of the talent that you have on this team. And it's not out of the realm of possibility. Like, we know we've been here before. We've been through this a lot as a fan base. That you can have a really good team and you don't get to where you expected to go because it's just really hard to win in this game. We 
are well aware of that. I mean, you look at Tennessee this past year. It was one of the best regular season baseball teams maybe in the history of college baseball. They didn't make it out of a Super Regional. Look at Vanderbilt. They won the SEC tournament. And the SEC was far and beyond the most competitive and the most difficult conference in all of college baseball. They win the SEC tournament. Vanderbilt doesn't even make it out of their own regional. Vanderbilt gets beat by Penn. So we know how hard it is to win. But we also knew how good this team was. And now this team has done everything that it can do so far. But the work is not over yet. The work, actually, the work's just begun because the work starts in Omaha. The hard stuff starts to come to fruition in Omaha. So a little bit of a refresher, a little bit of an, of an update on LSU side of the bracket. Wake Forest takes down Alabama, absolutely whooped Alabama 22-5 to in their Super Regional Championship yesterday. Wake Forest sweeps Alabama, so Wake Forest will advance to Omaha Texas and Stanford, they will play game three. That series is tied. Texas beats Stanford in game one. Stanford takes down Texas 8-3 in game two. Stanford, by the way, in that game two, their pitcher, if you hadn't seen this, their pitcher threw 156 pitches in a complete game on Sunday night. I mean, I don't know what the heck they were doing there. Really impressive and really gutsy performance from that pitcher. But my goodness, 156 pitches? I don't know how your arm doesn't just become like unhinged from your shoulder at that point. Obviously, we know LSU advances after sweeping Kentucky. And then the other team on the side of the bracket um, that has not been decided is Southern Miss, Tennessee. Southern Miss takes game one against Tennessee, 5-3. Tennessee takes game two, 8-4. Southern Miss and Tennessee were slated to play Monday afternoon, but there's weather. Shocker! In uh, in Hattiesburg today, so that game will be played later tonight, if not tomorrow. So we'll keep an eye on that game when it's played, if it's played at all today, maybe played tomorrow. Um So we will keep an eye on that. But Southern Miss, Tennessee, and Texas Stanford, the two games that have yet to be decided on LSU's side of the bracket. LSU will play the winner of that Southern Miss-Tennessee game in the first round in Omaha. On the other side of the bracket, Florida takes down South Carolina in two games. Florida advances Duke and Virginia. Virginia advances after taking games two and three. Oral Roberts, my goodness. Good for Oral Roberts. I don't know if they've ever been to Omaha before, but if not, welcome. Good for Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts takes down Oregon in three games. Oregon takes game one. Oral Roberts takes games two and three. TCU advances against Indiana State. TCU swept that regional. So that's what you're looking at so far in Omaha. Wake Forest, LSU, Florida, Virginia, Oral Roberts, TCU, and either Southern Miss or Tennessee or Texas and Stanford. So, you know, it's and we'll get into exactly what LSU needs to do whenever we know who wins that that Hattiesburg Super Regional, when this team is going to play. We'll we'll get a lot more information once it gets closer and when some of those games get de- gets decided. But it's just a reminder that we should celebrate because getting to Omaha is not an easy feat. But there's a whole lot of baseball left to be played, and I'm damn excited to see it. That's going to do it for me today. Thank you for making Locked in LSU your first listen every single day. Every dayers tomorrow on the show, we will do a recruiting breakdown. We've got a little breaking news on the recruiting side of things. What does it mean for LSU? Should we be concerned for LSU? We'll get into that on tomorrow's edition of Locked in LSU.